this is Captain Lee, and you're listening to the Andertons Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Anderson's TV and my special guest today is possibly technologically one of the most disruptive men in the entire music industry and I say that in the nicest possible way Christoph Kemper thanks for inviting me <laughs> no, and I've been wanting to, to invite you on the show for a long time um, to talk this is not a product demo video or anything like that I wanted to talk to you as a you know, with you as just as one of the, I say disruptive. I mean, I think that's, you've disrupted the technology that guitar players would traditionally use to be heard on stage. I mean, traditional guitar amps with um, an alternative that creates its tones in an entirely unique way to any of its competitors. But I wanted to, to, to sort of meet you and talk about how you got into that because I said when I first, uh, I hadn't met you at the time, but when I first heard of you, of course, you were making keyboards. That's true. So can we go right back to, you know, when you were growing up and what it was that got you into, you know, wanting to, to get into electronics and music and keyboards and, and then we'll go on to sort of how the keyboard thing became the Kemper thing. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so you're yeah. obviously from Germany. Yes. So amazing English, by the way. Thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. So t tell us about life growing up. And yeah, life growing up. I grew up in the Ruhr area in, uh, uh, in Germany and uh, grew up in a, a very musical family. So my, my grandfather was a director of a, like a little music school mm -hmm. in some small city. And uh, all, all of our family, they're playing like music instruments, but well, more classic instruments like uh, violin and uh, cello. Uh, and stuff like that. So, uh, well, actually, one, one day, oh, we also had a piano, a grand piano mm -hmm. in, in the living room. And uh, one day there was that uh, piano teacher just showing up in a way. So we were never <laughs> asking him because it was, it was regular to have some like lessons, uh, uh, instrument lessons. So he was just there. And I went like, so who, who's he? He's your piano teacher. Oh, really? You uh, must have. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you know, it was not like we were not really forced to, you know, to learn that. But he was just there. It was just regular, like going, like going to school. So mm -hmm. now you go to school, uh, and um, yeah. So I learned piano, and I loved it. And uh, then uh, by growing older, actually, actually, I, I came uh, into the well '80s computer stuff, mm -hmm. like uh, C sixty four Commodore. Uh, mine was the mine was the uh, Sinclair uh, Sinclair ZX Spectrum from UK. Yeah, uh, I had one of those too. Yeah. Did you have the cassette thing and you you have to let, and when you load one of the games in and you wait for five minutes whilst the, all the lines. Yeah, go, of course. And then right at yes. the end, it just says it it just didn't yes. work and you have to sit yeah. there again. And then you, I even did some hacks. Uh, right. There. So yeah, there was like some. Well, uh, for those games, there were pictures. Uh, uh, and you could find those pictures because it was not like cryptid or whatever. It was just just clear pictures. You could find it in the code uh, and change those pictures and then put it back into the game. It was not that difficult, but it was fun to give somebody the game. And there was like then my name on that picture in that game just for what fun. What was it? Were you playing Jet Set Willy? Does everyone yeah, remember but, Jet Set Willy on, it, on the ZX Spectrum? Yeah, but I was not. I wasn't really into <laughs> into gaming. Uh, I was then starting. I I I tried to. Uh, program my own games. This was actually the start of programming. Yeah, and uh, then at that time I came from like from the music world more into the computer world, and um, I <clears throat> spent my time with a, with a, a nerds on the schoolyard until I found out that's not a good idea <laughs> <laughs> to spend the rest of of the life. To, yeah, I don't know. To uh, bit yeah. okay for you. Yeah, uh. <laughs> yeah. It was it, it, it was a weird crowd. We crowd no girls, of well. course, and, uh, and 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 no, we nobody wanted us actually. I know what you so, mean. So uh, one day I quit. I right. said, guys, I went to them. I said, guys, I quit, and I will not do computer anymore because it's absolutely not cool. And uh, they were also not cool, but I didn't, I didn't say <laughs> that. Uh, so. <laughs> And so I then I switched back to music, and that was that was like uh, well, uh, modern music, whatever, uh, rock yeah. music and stuff. And I I became a keyboarder, like from my piano playing, I became a keyboarder. And my my first synthesizer was a, a DX9 from Yamaha. It's the, like the little brother of the DX7. DX9 uh, probably um, not many people know that no. uh, instrument. No no velocity sensitivity. It's Horrible, but uh, I was I was um, I think uh, uh, fifteen or sixteen years old, so that was absolutely fine. So we're me. talking what mid to late eighties here, yeah, right? Because like right. we must be the same age, and and I I think we're not. I'm forty seven. Okay, we are. Okay, <laughs> I'm fifty. <laughs> are you? I'm fifty. Oh, uh, it's, it's roughly because I just I remember. You look so much My younger. first. <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I I remember like working in on my weekends and stuff in yeah. in Andertons, and it was yeah. actually I think maybe DX Seven. I probably just missed that, but you know, Korg M One, yeah. Juno, um, oh, yeah. Juno Eighty was it or Juno? Yeah, right. Uh, uh, I had those D1. both. Korg M One, Juno, or Juno Sixty yeah. was it Sixty maybe? Maybe. Yeah, I, but I, I played at the that time, time, the whole guitar market had taken a backseat to the synth market, and yes. All, all the players were just buying uh, these amazing cool synths. And every week, I remember listening to the charts, and you could hear a patch from the Korg M1 completely just, that was the hit of the, you know, it's like, you know, mad times when you think nowadays how, 
how relatively sm- much bigger the guitar market is than, yeah, that's than right. that sort of keyboard market. But right. so anyway, so you're playing all these keyboards. Um, <laughs> you're right. Are you yeah. in a band? And oh yes, I, w- yeah. I was in many bands. I think in in total I was in uh, probably I think sixteen different bands. None of them famous, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. So um, different styles. Was it all, was it electro pop kind of you know? No, no. It human was, League. It, no, and... it was more more. Uh, I want to say traditional. No, it was more old school. So um, one band was like a, for example, a status quo revival band where I had to play the piano for <laughs> rocking were, all over the world. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Even then, so, there was a status quo revival band. They've been around so long. Even in the eighties, they were tribute bands yeah. to the status quo. <laughs> yeah, right, right, and uh, yeah, and yeah. My, my my but my second path was was the like computer and electronics. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, uh, it happened that um, I came to electronics because I broke my leg uh, when skiing, when I was okay. uh, much younger, I think, uh, 13, mm-hmm. broke my leg and I had to stay at home uh, and couldn't go, couldn't go to school for a couple of weeks uh, for that reason. But it was, uh, yeah, it was also a weird th- uh, thing back in those Big days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my parents, they uh, brought me a um, electronic uh, kit for like, building stuff in mm-hmm. electronics and I uh, I could really handle that and w- it was fun for me so that was before the keyboard area mm-hmm. uh, bit. and well and then later on it was about like okay what, what am I going to do and I, I wanted to become a professional musician and producer mm-hmm. actually but um, it was not not um, difficult to find out that it's uh, it's a tough way and there's so many uh, uh, talented people out there and I I thought I was talented as well, um, but there was also other talent. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought like, um, yeah, uh, why not? Maybe I wanted to go the more secure way of doing, uh, going to university, and um, but I thought of uh, mixing both uh, domains into. Uh, into, for example, sound engineer, mm-hmm. which is musical and technical, and I had some like catalogs of some like universities where I could do that. But then one day I thought like maybe I could I could go deeper because uh, it would be cool to understand how those um, if if I learn how the um, the technical 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 equipment really works. Uh, internally, uh, then it's also easy to understand how to use them, mm-hmm. right? So I went, uh, I went to university and uh, studied electronic science, right? Which I never finished, right? Uh, because then I uh, found my company. So you uh, founded Access whilst you were at university. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, about uh, about at the end of the um, of that uh, university thing, See, but I, we, I, I didn't really yeah. finish it. Because I remember, I mean, so. The, the, the first point in which uh, I, I remember seeing the products that you made, we're going back to the, the I guess, the, what, mid-90s now, maybe? That's right. Uh, 90, 97, was 98. 90? I think 97. Uh, and uh, I, I remember the Access Virus keyboard. And I remember because you, clearly the, the, your business was, was small and it couldn't make enough to supply... Uh, all the music stores in the UK that wanted to do it. So I think you only ever had one or two retailers in the UK. And I remember being terribly frustrated as Andertons because we could see all these customers buying oh, right. your keyboards. You were not among them. But not for, not okay. at the early time. We okay. started it, probably 
by the late 90s or the early 2000s, whatever we, we did start. But I, I, I'm not a keyboard player, so I'm kind of interested to know what, what was it about the, the access and uh, range of keyboards that made them so popular? How were they different to what you know, Roland and Yamaha and Korg were making at the time? Well, it was those days where um, the term virtual analog came up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, virtual analog is, well, it's like when we talk about the guitar world, it's like amp modeling. Mm -hmm. I'd say it's pretty much this, probably the same, same approach. Um, but it was the first time, really, this approach ha uh, had been done. And it was, the, um, um, it was the revival of old analog synthesizers coming up in the... Uh, in the dance music mm -hmm. uh, scene that was just evolving, right, uh, in, the, in the beginning of the 90s, mm -hmm. right, with techno and acid and all that stuff and all the, all the old um, synthesizers were, um, were, you, were you a taken big, from the cellar. Were so, you a big raver? yourself I mean no, because you no. have the t-shirt with the smiley face no. and you're out there every no. night well, no not me I was not playing really. <laughs> I was playing a fake Hammond organ on a uh, M1 in a status uh, quo days. tribute band uh, yeah yeah the least so, techno pop <laughs> was you could possibly be <laughs> yeah no I was not I was really not not really in that scene but that uh, that would not hold you off from making the synthesizer because um, the synthesizers that were needed in those in the 90s um, were uh, generic, right? Mm. Uh, they didn't need, uh, they never needed special features that were much different from, for example, what was in the 70s or what was used by, um, uh, by um, progressive rock bands in the 70s, for example. All the, it's all the same concepts, I'd say. So the, no specialty was needed. So I was never like a, uh, a trans player or trans producer I never was, but people finally said, this is like a trance synthesizer, by whatever reasons they said that, uh, because they saw it so often in the trance world. So the next one thought, like, it, it, it's dedicated to trance, which, which it never was. Right. Um, and, um, yeah, this is, that's how it happened. So that, and yeah, virtual, oh yeah, yeah so that, virtual analog, right. So uh, what, what was the difference to, to all the digital um, concepts? I think simply was the, the approach of really recreating that analog feel mm -hmm. uh, with a simply better technique that was really dedicated to it. Uh, in, the, in the years before, there was also um, uh, analog approaches, but those approaches were more made by samples mm -hmm. or like by, by, ROM, by ROM samples, like by, by the concept of sample playing rather than building waveforms on the fly. Uh, which is which is actually not easy to do, uh, making analog waveforms on the fly, um, and um, this is why the quality was better. And there was there's a second thing, give the thing more controls, more dedicated mm. knobs, like in the 70s, like in the seven in the 70s or 80s, they had to be there because there was no other concept to control uh, a musical instrument. Uh, later on, they were all uh, cut off because it was digital. For example, by, by Yamaha with the mm -hmm. DX7, it had mm -hmm. pretty much no control, but the master volume, I think, master volume and data entry, that was it, I think, yeah. uh, from what I remember. And, um, and people wanted those knobs back. And that was like the second big thing of virtual analog. And, uh, I mean, that, I, that's a fascinating mm -hmm. insight into kind of almost... <laughs> We'll come on to the sort of the technology yeah. in, in the Kemper and why, why it's different to how other um, 
technology products are made. But that's so that's fascinating. And so what what happened to the Access brand? Did it because I. I I'm going to show my complete ignorance about what my colleagues in the keyboard department do now. So apologies there. But is that does that still do you still make access products? Or yes, is, we do. Oh, they are. So they do. You can still buy the virus. Okay. You have one in your store. Oh, good. If not, <laughs> just have you. If not, you can you can order. I'm sure we do. <laughs> I just I guess what we're seeing now is the 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 uh, popularity and the resurgence of the electric guitar and and the yeah. consequential kind of. Uh, reduction in the amount of people buying keyboard products now was sort of it just did this at the same time didn't it so was it i i can't how were yes, you drawn the keyboard, to the yes to for the, the keyboard market, market it's mm. it's it's probably too yeah it i don't know if it really went down but it wasn't uh, for us it wasn't really uh, it didn't happen that we could really like uh, raise mm -hmm. uh well, raise the business, whatever, or like develop yeah. the business uh, by by a certain amount, uh, and also, well, let's say the revolution was over mm -hmm. in the uh, in the zero years. The, the, this virtual analog revolution was over. It was all settled. It was all there. It was all in the in the software plugins as well mm -hmm. uh, and stuff. Um, and um, yeah, this is how I came to uh, to guitar amps. Because uh, in that in that same time when we started um, the Access Virus and our company, I was always wa watching uh, other companies doing digital guitar amps, mm. which I thought was uh, I also I always liked I always liked it, uh, and I liked the idea and I liked the idea of distortion and stuff. We also worked some well, one of the main or some main component of the of the virus is a distortion right. um, positioned between two uh, synthesizer filters which is um, which is a great a uh, great thing i guess uh, and and uh, make some characteristic sounds of the virus actually i don't know if it was the key to success i don't think so uh, but still i like it <laughs> it seems now in that kind of synth market that the the drive is to go back to to just pure analog yeah true um yeah. which is just it's such a the, the whole world of music is just so obsessed with that period from the 60s and 70s yes. and you know and it's like yes. yep gotta just gotta yes. get back to that somehow yes. um but i don't think it's just this this uh 60s 70s thing it's also that uh with um, in the analog world, you can make easy, uh, um, less complex and thus uh, cheaper units. It can be compared to this, like to, to distortion pedals in the guitar world, mm -hmm. because it's just a uh, a tiny bit of analog electronics and a battery, uh, but but well made, um, can make a, a unit that that can be sold for I don't know a hundred bucks or. 200 bucks, mm -hmm. but no more, uh, which is not really, it's not so easy to do this in, in the digital world because when you shrink down a digital product, there's still things that, that have to remain, such as a processor, ADDA mm -hmm. converters, and don't, they don't get cheaper mm -hmm. just by making the whole unit smaller and, and saving some metal for the case and some uh, some knobs on top. You, you still need the converters, and if you want those cheapest, you, you, have, to, you have to take... Um, converters of less quality which you mm. probably don't want so there it's hard to to shrink it down and this is i think this is why people uh why why analog electronics now in the synth world is so appealing uh because you can you can simply buy uh, eight different things yeah. for um for a good budget and uh, do things with that 
Well, I mean, that massively resonates then when it comes to guitar pedals. I can completely yeah. see the, the yeah. crossover there. Yeah, it's, um, may, it's maybe that uh, while um, gu guitarists, so th that's a bit of a joke. <laughs> well, guitarists might, might turn a bit more into keyboarders, which you don't want to hear, that, I'm sure. But it's just, it's just by philosophy, the keyboards now tend to, to migrate into the guitar world by, by philosophy yeah. a bit. And I think it's well, why not? people are obsessed yeah. with uh, soundscapes, aren't they? I guess you know, as as the number of notes on a keyboard or a fretboard is a is a finite number, so you end up going, well, I'm playing all the same notes as a song that's gone before, yeah. but if I create a different soundscape, I can create a different uh, I can create a different melody, you know, different sense of music. Uh, and so I think people are m much more interested now in the tools that they've got to shape the sound yeah. as much as writing the basic song itself. Yes, right. But look, so, so you're, mm -hmm. you're taking this idea of virtual analog that you've worked on very successfully with Access and you're applying it now to, to the guitar. Yeah, actually I haven't done that. <laughs> you haven't done that? No, I haven't done that because if we had done that, we would have a modeling amp. Right. right, but was so, that the first? You know, I mean, was so. Okay, oh, yeah. well, let's go back to that. Where's this? Let we'll we'll talk in a, in a minute about the, the how profiling kind of is different than to other modeling products. But what what was the journey? You, did you start with kind of the the access type technology to to make a product? Did it always? Did you very early sort of go? No, that's not appropriate. We need to find another way to do this. No, no. I, I of course I. I started with that technology, so I took my um, those um, distortion uh, algorithms that I did for the virus. I those were the first that I took uh, mm -hmm. for my my first like proof of concepts and stuff. But I <clears throat> I had to I had to modify them, um, and of course, yes, I I took that knowledge and technology from uh, from making synthesizers. I I tried to migrate that. Um, to uh, to that project, uh, of course. Um, but then, well, I uh, I tried to make like proof of concepts. What is really needed for a tube amp? What is not necessarily needed? What is maybe uh, where, where th people think it's important for a tube amp, and which finally f um, um, uh, came out that it, it's it's not that important and stuff. So I try to, to arrange things and stuff. And at the same time, I, I talk to, uh, to guitarists because my, my problem is I'm not a guitarist, I'm a, I'm a keyboard player. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I didn't have the background to like really judge what is like a really good sound, what is like a sound that's not playable that good. So I started to talk to many people, uh, for, for like friends of mine <coughs> uh, and stuff like, 
uh, how they um, perceive guitar sounds, how they perceive guitar sounds of those digital guitars that were, that were out at that time. Uh, and um, I learned a thing. Uh, one thing was that um, people were then, like when there were people that knew at least two modeling amps, they were saying, well, yeah, I like that model on uh, on that Modeler A. I like the, for example, Marshall model, model better than on the other one, but uh, with the Vox model, it's it's the other way. Mm -hmm. And I went like, okay, this is, um, that's crazy. And, uh, or they went like, yeah, this has to, too much, like this model has too much high end for me and uh, I like it better here, so I, in the way I needed two modelers to have that model from here and that model from there. You know, uh, when like, okay, if I ever went into that business, uh, it's it's like a, it feels like a brand graveyard. It's not it's not just a, uh, it's not not about having dead brands. Don't don't get me wrong, but it's like so many brands. It's those brands of the of the traditional tube amps, and then those brands of. Um, uh, the uh, the modeling amps and it's like it was crazy and I thought like we can never make it right you you can never make a model right there's there will there's always some there will always be someone who would complain about too many highs or not yeah. this and not that then I thought like uh, I will ha if I ever went into this um, digital guitar amp thing I will have those discussions all my life and I didn't <laughs> want that. Like, oh, can you make this here and there? And I didn't like that model. I know he likes it, but I don't like it. And I, I would see. do it differently and yeah. stuff. And then I thought, like, there must be a technology to um, that people can make their own models somehow. And that was profiling. And, and that's the... Yeah. That's the and then my job is to make it happen, uh, to make that good. But they make the, the profiles. And if they don't like it, it's, it's, not my, it's not my direct business. Then... So I'm sure most people watching this will have seen some crazy video at some point or other showing how a, a profiler creates a tone. But presumably the, the, the sort of the, not old-fashioned way, but the, 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 the way most other brands will work, all other brands, I think, is this idea of digitally recreating the impact of each component of a guitar amplifier as you go through it to, to try to create an end result that sounds authentically like the guitar amp. And I must admit, your, your point about going, you know, yes, you can get 10 guitar players in a room and yes. put the Line 6 <clears throat> or Fractal or, you know, Digitech or whatever, you know, here's the model and some of them will say, yeah, that sounds like a Marshall amp and some will say it sounds nothing like a Marshall amplifier. I, you're right, di 10 different opinions for sure. But there's no sense when you're when I'm profiling amplifiers in the Kemper, there's no sense of building the sound of an amplifier sort of by sort of dragging different components in and editing certain things. It's just it somehow listens to an amp and then goes, There you are. That's what it sounds like. So, I mean, how do you is there any other technology in the you know, were you drawing on technologies from other um, businesses for that? Or is it was this just a completely unique technology for you for no for you. i think the way it is it is unique of course it is it is it is made also by technologies that there were there before uh but um uh, there, there's also new stuff in there uh and this is all combined it's it's like it's like an it's like a big amp model that 
well that can learn about those things it does not it does not make a component modeling so it can hear oh this is the uh, second tube mm. uh, whatever and no it doesn't it doesn't do that um, so it goes it, it runs uh, it listens to the whole sound uh, it doesn't like necessarily determine so this is from here this is from there yeah um, uh, but but in, in a certain way of course it does because it, it can determine for example what's uh, what's parts of part of the cabinet and stuff um, uh, for sure it can do that um, yeah, that's that's uh, in a way how it works. I can't I can't actually like fully. I don't want to fully explain. Well, I mean, obvious reasons how it works. no, and, you, and you, you've done a pretty amazing job at, through patents and and mystery and all sorts because uh, absolutely no one else is approaching uh, the the way this. Well, I say that. I mean, there's 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 one. Uh, Chinese company that claims to, uh, to to do something similar, yeah, but, but I don't, I don't, uh, whether uh, it is or not, I, I haven't know. really read what they're doing. I I assume that they might do what, what many other companies do is um, is some sort of equalizer matching mm. for for the cabinet section, yeah, which also works um, pretty good if you have the model pre-selected first and then you do the cabinet matching. Uh, you can you can yield good, good results. Yeah. So the Kemper was born. What did you, you know, when you first, did you, did you believe that it was, um, it was about trying to make uh, the products more portable or did you believe it was more about, you know, trying to get rid of this idea of having to mic up a guitar? You know, what, where, did you, where did you think in the early days that Kemper would be most popular? Well, first of all, I didn't think at all we would be popular before the profiling was up and running. Uh, before that, I, I thought like I... I want to have a look into the market. Uh, as, I, as I mentioned before, I was watching the other companies doing digital amps while we were de developing our synthesizers. And the, the weird thing during these days was that they, um, they didn't uh, gain that kind of fame uh, especially among professionals mm. that we, for example, gained with our synthesizer. And I wondered why that is. And there was like, uh, they had some big, sometimes they had some like big and famous artists talking about it, but they never said, okay, this, this thing is on our record and I have this on, on my world tour. Uh, it was like the, uh, the best thing that they said, yeah, I have it on my tour because I, I rehearse in my hotel room mm -hmm. with it, you know? And I thought like, why, why is that? That's, um, it's, it's a pity. And, um, <clears throat> Um, it didn't. It didn't take off the whole thing. You know, it's it's. Uh, uh, we were part of this this little revolution in the synthesizer world, and it it took off. Um, and uh, there was other digital revolutions in in photography, in in filming, and here and there, music, music recording, mm -hmm. uh, music playback, uh, music distribution, uh, and all kinds of like digital stuff. You know. Um, Emails, <laughs> you know, it was pretty big digital revolution. Uh, yeah, time. emails, uh, you know, stuff like that. But but guitar amps didn't work. They didn't work, and there was there was no for me. Well, as a non-guitarist, there was no obvious reason uh, to that. Mm. And of course, if you ask guitarists, uh, they had an obvious reason. They said like they don't sound good. Mm. Right, they don't sound they don't sound good here and there. But I wasn't I wasn't sure about it, and my my um, 
um, um, my result of that was they might sound good, but they, they don't sound familiar. Okay. Because they don't sound like your amp yeah. that is sitting there. That might sound different. Uh, that is, that's probably one of the biggest problems. This is why I came to the idea of profiling. So then first let's make it sound like your amp. Yeah. And then, let's, then we start talking again. I, th I think right? there was... I remember that, the, you know, prior to Kemper, the only really massive... Well, there were probably two massive digital booms for the guitar. The very first, you know, when Zoom brought out the little... And everybody oh, yeah. went, oh my God! Yeah, it's like, right. you know, right. and, and I think everybody agrees, looking back, that does sound pretty dreadful. But it was huge when it came out. And then really, products became more and more and more and more complicated and more sophisticated. And, you know, the way they were sold would be the side of the box just said, this is how many millions of effects that the thing's got on it. And then Line 6 brought out the pod. And that was the second, you know, yeah. hugely popular... Because all of a sudden it was just like, it was familiarity, not so much familiarity of sound, but familiarity of what, how to operate it. You know, it just had yeah. the knobs from a guitar on the phone. Yeah. Um, but you are, you are right. I think so many people, if you, if you went into a guitar store and plugged into an amplifier and instantly the sound you got wasn't quite what you wanted, you'd just adjust the volume and the bass and the treble and you'd go you'd get a you'd go oh yeah okay that's better but when you have a digital product you know and I'll, I'll put any brand in that if you plug in and you go oh, i don't really like the sound of it and you're met with absolutely no idea how to just you very very quickly i think as a guitarist just go oh i don't like it yeah but the, um, i mean the first part was easy it also yeah. had six knobs only it was it was not that uh, mm. complexity uh, I, th I think we, we found out later uh, what probably one one of the biggest problems was, and we still have that problem. It's the it's the problem of the of the mic speaker. Mm -hmm. I mean, the all digital amps have the um, the feature of playing back a mic speaker, mm -hmm. uh, so you don't have to mic your speaker and carry your speaker. But a mic speaker sounds different, mm -hmm. and we we learned later that uh, this is this is a big problem because. Um, uh, probably a majority of guitarists that come from the tube amp, and if they're not pros and and do that every day, um, they are not used to that mic sound. Mm. They might they might have even been in in recording studios with their band and and doing uh, recordings and records, but uh, most of these guys. Uh, they didn't um, stay in the control room mm. for mixing recording maybe for days probably when when the recording was over they they uh, they took a pizza for example which <laughs> is <laughs> what I also would do but they never got used to that re recorded sound uh, to, or the mic sound there's mm. uh, we have um, uh, we have um, seen opinions from uh, from pros for example that they said they couldn't stand uh, when 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 in ear started, mm. right uh, on on stages in your monitoring, they couldn't stand the sound of their their own in ear sound because that was also mic'd, mm. which is the same problem. But no digital amp was involved, right? Yeah. But they went like, okay, what's that sound? Mm. And somebody told them, well, that's the sound of your amp, mic'd <laughs> by me, and this is what your audience will also hear. This is what you have on your headphone. Oh, really? And this is probably that might have been. Uh, a big and it's still um, a big issue uh, when migrating from a tube amp to a digital amp, uh, digital amp that 
um, yeah, that you have to, you might have to get used to those mic sounds. Mm. But uh, um, you, sh you should think about this is the sound that's on the record, that's on the um, uh, uh, on, on on a big PA. So you, I mean, I think you're. That's my. Um, I'm a sort of a you know played guitar amps all my life and. I was talking to, to Pete recently. I, I, I set up a little garage band thing at home and I'm yeah. playing and I've, I've got different products I'm trying to get the guitar sound out of. And my problem is I can't get anything to sound how I like it in headphones. But I don't think yeah. it's... I don't think it's that the sound is bad. It's just... I'm so... I've never listened to it like this before. I've only ever listened to it... This is... That's probably here, the problem. And it's really, yeah. really difficult. Yeah. And, and I think... You do have to just. Um, there's nothing you can do to tweak the sounds to make it somehow like it's going to be in the room. You just have to get yeah. used to it. You just have to yeah. go. You know, we, once the we rest have a of the little nod for that actually. I do mean, we, we we have thought about this. Okay. Uh, for we have some some little cures for that mm -hmm. <laughs> for, for this uh, little disease. <laughs> <laughs> no, we uh, for example we have we have this this parameter pure cabinet we we call it. And it will smoothen out the the, um, uh, the cabinet sound a bit toward towards to an amp in the room sound, right? Uh, while still maintaining um, the, the sound character of, of that cabinet. Mm. And uh, yeah, I think people like it, uh, especially people that play on on, on mid gain. Mm. Um, high high gain players don't like it that much, right? Okay. Because they they want that character, right? Uh, the tighter, yeah, the sort of tighter, more projected. Let's say. High-end phasey mm. character, mm -hmm. character because it's it, it has a character, mm. and uh, this 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 character uh, cuts through in the mix uh, very well, and uh, that that that's one little cure. Second cure is um, is our power amp, <laughs> yeah, where you can run a a, a a cabinet in the room, yeah, just just your good old cabinet, yeah, and that that's a nice thing. So just take it with you, but well, you have to carry. <laughs> So if we look at, I mean, the other kind of fascinating thing I find about Kemper, uh, so, you know, it's a unique approach to, to getting the sound out of it. And one that I think has been universally, uh, you know what, there's customers that will still say that they think their Fractal is better or their Helix is better. Or, and that's completely fine. It's all opinions. But I, I, would, I would say the bulk, the majority of opinion is that for as a how do I get something that sounds like my amplifier? This is the you know your technology is uh, market leading on that side of things. Um, but I find it fascinating that commercially speaking, 
And now I'm purely and simply, you know, taking my guitarist hat off, putting my businessman hat on. You've never given a reason to a person who has an original Kemper, I mean, like a 10-year-old Kemper. You've never given them a reason to have to sell that one to buy the latest version. It's, yeah. Why would you, you know, I mean, <clears throat> I mean you, you, you are committed to just using the same hardware, delivering the software updates to increase the functionality. But in any other technology business, you every two or three years would just go, yeah, that's obsolete. Here's the latest one because that's what technology companies do. But I'm fascinated as to why you, yeah, I'm, and I'm also, I admire, because it's clearly great customer service. So sure. I just, you know, I'm, I just said, why, why, why is that the, the route that you've gone down? Yeah, talking talk business, right? Well, <laughs> no, it, it's it really, is, it's, you know, it's, it's oh, yeah, the, sure. as I said, I've taken my guitar player hat off, you know, and yeah. just put my businessman I mean, hat on. It's, you know? uh, it's, it's something that other companies do, even outside the music instrument mm. business, such as like Apple, for example, mm -hmm. you get a software update every other week mm -hmm. on, your on your iPhone, and then there, there's bug fixes in there, probably, but maybe bugs that you've never seen, but it's fine. You could run into it mm -hmm. the week later, so it's fixed. Uh, some new features, some, some little paradigm shifts in the, yeah. uh, in, in the use model uh, and stuff, and, that, and that's great. Um, and, um, but Apple wouldn't want me using a 10-year-old iPhone. True. You know, I, I've probably changed my phone four times in yes, 10 years. Yes, that's right. Yeah, but the thing is, um, developing new hardware is, mm. is, uh, and, and putting it into production is, is quite a complicated uh, process. It takes some time. It can be cumbersome. Um, uh, it's um, when you do when you revise a, a unit, you, you put in new components. You have to you have to care about your inventory and stuff, and uh, that, that's a quite complicated process. While um, uh, making software updates for free mm -hmm. uh, maintains the value of that thing, so you don't, you don't have to have. And you don't have to have a new hardware, and well, at the well, you you then could say, but you sell it only once. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's the point. I'm, you know, that's true. But if um, we're not in a market that's um, that's saturated, and if well, if it was a saturated market, <clears throat> I'm sorry, uh, we we might change uh, our uh, our thoughts, mm -hmm. but. Um, so at the moment we don't do that, and we have done this. We have done this kind of business since um, twenty years now, <laughs> and I might be proud to say that probably we have uh, invented it. Oh, a hundred percent! You invented it. No, no, it, yeah. we invented it for the whole digital industry. Oh, okay. We were the f probably the first. I'm still waiting for for somebody to say no. It's not true. <laughs> somebody else did it before. Uh, we probably have done the first free of charge downloadable by internet with feature laden mm. um, firmware update in times where nobody knew was what firmware was including me <laughs> uh, way back in 1998 for the wow. virus a 
And it, it I was can't a even imagine when, when everyone had dial-up internet. It probably took about three hours, didn't it, just to download the update? Ah, uh, no, because <laughs> really? no, it did not because also the software was so small. Well, I suppose, yeah. Right? Well, no, it was not not a big deal, and and we learned this is this, that's a fantastic thing, and it's uh, the way to run a company. Uh, with that and, mm. and have the software development decoupled from what's what's going on with the hardware uh, is is um, um, very attractive mm. for, for for a business. I mean, not not only do I admire that approach, um, I admire the fact as well you've you've always opted to keep you know the production in Germany and you know when I presume there must must have you must have considered the opportunity of you know making the stuff out in China or something and hitting different. Price points. I'm assu- I'm pretty sure it's still made in Germany, right? Or- it is made in Germany, right? Uh, it's not. It's not that. It's not the case that like all com- components are no, made in Germany. Course. Of course not. And we we might do some more stuff in in, in China or in other countries, uh, but we have lately. Uh, and lately is four to five years ago. We have even built up our own um, factory, with um, uh, people. Um, with our own people working yeah. there. Before that, uh, we were work, working with a um, like a, another company, yeah. like a third company uh, that we still work with. Uh, but now we have our own factory as well, uh, and it's 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 mm. great to have it. But I said because you you will still be even yeah. now, you will still fairly regularly through the year not be able to keep up with demand for the product, you know. And it's just again, again yeah. I. I we, we were a little bit of background. We were talking. Christoph has a really grounded approach. You do, you were saying again. We're probably getting. This is more of an interesting business discussion now, rather than guitar. <laughs> you're you you you're not a big um, advocate of growth for the sake of growth, are you? You're, you, you? There are other values in your company yeah. that you value more than just. Oh yeah, growing it's not. The turnover. It's, it's, it's not about growth. Um, well, there was there was actually one there was one time where I thought uh, growing a bit would be great, and that was actually when yeah, I mean we, uh, way back when we uh, only had the synthesizer business, there was years uh, where we uh, we did the same amount of business year by year by mm-hmm. year, which was <clears throat> totally fine. Everyone was happy, uh, uh, every, every salary um, uh, could be paid. Uh, still, there was uh, some left for me, uh, and <laughs> and uh, it, it was all fine. Um, there was there was a point where I wanted to grow the company a bit, so we could, for example, hire more engineers mm-hmm. and not taking a risk on hiring them. Mm-hmm. And this is this is what uh, what we could do what we could do lately with the profiler, which was not we we could have done even with the virus, but I ha- I had considered it to be quite risky to do so because I didn't know if we like, for example, if we hired two, two more engineers, would that mean that we could um, increase the business because of them yeah. and, uh, that, and they would uh, pl- uh, make their own, uh, like uh, earn their own money yeah. by that. And that was not clear, uh, but now it is. And uh, that was a, that was a nice growth, but uh, I don't uh, I don't see the point of like growing just just for uh, just for the sake of growth. No. Well, I mean that I, is I refreshing that. Um, and kind of sometimes resonates. I think again, you know, Christoph and I were saying, you know, neither of our businesses are they're both privately family owned. There's no external pressure for that, and it, and it, it, it I think it's a nice place to be. So look, the Kemper lineup right now. You've got the original desktop unit. 
some people call it the, like a toaster, you know, you, you're probably familiar with that. Maybe we'll see one on screen now. You have the rack version of that. Right. You have the powered and the passive versions of that. Right. And most recently, uh, the floor stage version of that, which is currently only in a passive uh, right. version. Um, <clears throat> might I be so bold as to ask if there's likely to be, you know, if there's enough demand for it, do you think there could be a powered version of, of that at any yeah. point? I, I believe there would be enough demand for that, but uh, we have doubts uh, how we uh, how we would do it, actually. I mean, we could somewhere place a power ramp in there, so then the unit would get bigger. Mm -hmm. would, it would become bigger. Uh, the question then is, like, how, how, what wattage people would ask for and I think uh, I think we will not do it we would rather opt for having this active well that was that was kind of my my next uh, my next question really which was that for the last I mean we always have fun when we go to see you at the NAM show because it, it's almost a standing joke now in the <laughs> Kemper video at the NAM show which is like so what's new for this year Christoph <laughs> Absolutely nothing! Yay! <laughs> That's it. And then we just walk, yeah. walk off. Next stand. Done. Talk about um, growth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, we've, there's always been like the odd cabinet on the stand and everyone's a bit like, is that Slum's new thing? Or just have you just knocked it up for the, the show or whatever? But I think this is, this is, and this is still a prototype, right? So Yes. But you are yeah. going to get into the world of Kemper cabinets. Yes. So again, how, it, do, you, how do you approach a technology which is a wooden box with a speaker in it and reinvent it you know i mean how, how do you how do you even do that yeah so first of all that, that now i remember yes we have always had cabinets on on yeah. our booth yeah and we have this uh we even had this um green 4x12 that's right uh on pictures and stuff and i think about no one called us uh and asked like <laughs> when this will be available or maybe to maybe two or three uh, persons, which I wonder why that was. Maybe well, maybe my my maybe my guys in the company they never told me. <laughs> yeah, I think we. I don't know. I think we've but always, we always had that. Yes. Yeah, I think we've always. Uh, you know, there's always been this like so, because that, that's componently the the thing that you know we shouldn't forget is really anybody that wants to play the guitar. Yeah in a room to an audience, yeah. you can have all the clever technology in, in it. You still need a speaker. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's like, there has to be. And really, I've met some guys who, who, who have done some quite clever things with the way cabinets are ported. We know that speakers have become much lighter weight over the years, but there hasn't really been a revolution in speaker. You know, most of the speakers in this room now are, haven't changed in... 50 years yeah know? for sure so you know what do you I mean how do yeah. you approach that I mean the, the, the story the story was that uh, I I always thought from from day one I mean from day one of the profiler mm. I thought like um, well uh, modeling amps or let's say digital guitar amps uh, aim to uh, replace the speaker by something digital so um, the story then is well you don't need a speaker anymore you go into the PA, mm -hmm. if you still want monitoring, you'll have your own uh, wedge yep. or your own in-ear and stuff. Like, you act like a keyboarder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in a way, right? But but I thought, like, is, is that, is, is it a good idea? Because I thought, like, speakers are so much fun. Uh, and 
especially in the re rehearsal room or at home, and they have a special sound. They sound different, as, as we just talked mm -hmm. about, different than a mic speaker. Uh, it's fun. And I thought, like, it's, it's hard to talk to a guitarist explaining our device. And then he might go and say, okay, so where do I put my speaker cable? And my answer would be, uh, no, no, you don't need that speaker anymore. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, I would feel like uh, losing him, mm -hmm. right? And um, it's, not, it's not a good answer. I thought it would be cool to tell him where to put it, yeah. right? And this is why we made the power amp. Yeah. Um, that was our first approach to speakers. Uh, we made the power amp and we made this um, uh, setting that you have that, uh, that digital setting that you can have uh, every sound, every rig without the building cabinet yeah. to be run into the speaker, which is a, which is a global setting, which is, I think, still unique uh, in the digital guitar amp world that you can have like a global setting to say, we have the power amp, you run it into a guitar speaker and this works with every rig right now. Yeah. So you go to front of house with the speaker simulation and to your speaker without the speaker simulation just by one setting. Yeah. And um, so that was the first approach. And um, well, yeah, the second approach was uh, one day this nice guy from Celestian. He stopped by at our booth and I thought it was cool. He said, yeah, I'm from Celestian and um, we, we, we would love to work with you together in, in the future. I said, uh, yes, you're probably right at our booth because we like speakers and we have a power amp. Uh, and yeah, let's talk. So we talked and talked over the years, uh, put some ideas and there was this idea to have a, uh, to have a linear speaker um, that could run the linear sound. I don't, I don't wanna say FR, FR, because uh, I think it's a bit, FR is enough. FR, FR would be double. <laughs> I think FR, FR, FR. Yeah, it's better. You are. Yeah, you should just we go more. That. We might yeah. have a FR, 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 FR. Uh, and don't, and just, but say it though, like just go for a, for a, for a. Yeah, just for 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 speakers. Yeah, it's the best way. Oh, or for 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 Actually, uh, while we were developing that, um, the company Line 6 yep, also cap. made a product mm -hmm. like that and mm -hmm. uh, came out even before us. But, uh, but I, can, I can tell we, we've been developing that um, <laughs> for, for, for quite a long time. We, we didn't do it uh, all day long, actually. It, yeah. was, it was a side project. But we had it up and running without telling people, I think, on the, on the NAMM show two mm -hmm. or three years ago. Well, I, like, uh, the, the Line 6 mm -hmm. thing, I think, it's it's amazing how conservative guitar players are because really if you remember those line six pa products i think it was a, i forget what they were called stage something pa products really the power cab you know that that pa oh, yeah, product yeah. that was that had all the dsp everything it to make it work like a guitar cabinet you plug your helix into it whatever it was a great product but because it looked like a pa cabinet guitar players were like i don't want it I don't want it. Yeah, but so they had to reinvent yeah. it all, re-engineer it all, make it just look yeah. like a, a PA cabinet. Uh, sorry, a guitar cabinet. Yes, like power cab. And now all of a sudden, guitar players go, "Great, I'll buy it now because <laughs> it just looks yeah. like I've got a guitar cab." Yeah. Um, so you're now you. We were saying before 
how far this is not a powered cab at the moment is right. it so and there's no DSP or anything in here right. so where, where, where's the what product do you think you'll finally bring to, to market what, one with DSP built into it no or, so it'll just be a straight no, the trick, cab the trick behind that is uh, this is uh, this like our approach is not having a a cap with all with let's say the intelligence in there but we want to put the intelligence uh, into the profile in because right. it has intelligence already there's there's the infrastructure like mm -hmm. the DSP and all that stuff it's already in there so and it can it can do that task as well and once uh, once this task is done in the profiler that you own anyway mm. hopefully um, we don't have we don't need a smart speaker we can have a uh well a dump speaker yeah but the, <laughs> in but a way it, or just a speaker it can stay passive by that mm. that that's that's uh, uh that's an important point and by having the speaker passive we can also deliver it as a replacement part mm. and that was the main idea that i had let's have a speaker oh, just the speaker oh yes so you just want to, so people yes. don't even have to have, they could have their existing yes. 1x12 or 2x12 right. cab and just buy the speakers. Right. Because mm. it's, I mean, it's uh, it's hard to determine like what, what kind of cabinets people want to have in the digital amp world. Will oh, it still be a 4x12 or a 2x12 or 1x12, open back, close back, uh, in blue, in green, in red or in black, right? Genius. I don't know. And there's so, there's so many so uh, fantastic... Uh, manufacturers of of, uh, of cabinets out there uh, in in the whole yeah. world, and uh, there's there's for example one one point it, when you do a four by twelve, you do a four by twelve, and then you have to ship it around the world. But it's yeah. it's so huge, uh, we don't have logistics for that. Of course, like companies like Marshall, they they have logistics for that because it's it's part it's it's really part of their core yeah. business. But I thought like first of all, will how many place of digital amps or of the profiler will purchase a 4x12 mm. which is really not needed right a 4x12 is, is just for fun it's it's definitely not needed for running a profiler because as we know you don't need any cabinet for running a profiler yeah. why so what point do we have to make a 4x12 right so so bulky and then then we had to have people that know how to send it to uh, yeah. to Australia which is, I think, probably it's a mess to send it to Australia. And uh, so I thought like having um, uh, having a replacement speaker um, uh, is a much better idea. And everyone mm -hmm. has, either you have a cabinet and it's nice uh, and you, you replace the speaker by, by ours. And you don't have to throw away the other yeah. speakers. You put it in the same boxes and put it on the cellar and... Maybe you need so, them and 10 so years how later. Far, so how far, this is a collaborative design with Celestian. Yes, correct. And, and how far off of that? Uh, uh, it's, it's pretty far. I, can, I, I can't give you an estimated time of arrival, but, right. but it's, uh, the whole development is done. Mm -hmm. It was nearly done even uh, um, at the last NAMM show. Yeah. Well, at that, at that time, we didn't have the final speaker from Celestian yet. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's so all done. Maybe maybe the winter twenty twenty Nam we might see something. Yeah, probably. Maybe maybe a bit earlier, maybe a bit later. So mm -hmm. you know, it's it's hard. It's always hard. Maybe to, tomorrow. Maybe twenty five years down the line. Yeah, no growth. When, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's it's hard to say. You know, it's it, it it's sometimes hard to say when when companies have a, a real estimate time of arrival. 
I'd say yeah. then that their product is in the shelf already and just they're, they're just waiting um, for that day so we don't have it in the shelf yet well and that's a that's a prototype it, it'll look it looks a little cool. bit different I like the look of it yeah um, talk about a product that is uh in existence already oh you mean the bag right which is but this is this is <laughs> this is new this is profiling bag technology right you can yeah. li this can be any yeah. bag yeah <laughs> yeah we had this li literally yeah we had this any uh, bag you want we had this designer that is unbelievable you made tech. this uh look it's like ah i tell you i mean that is that is cutting edge <laughs> yeah that is cutting edge fearsome technology watch out um louis vuitton and chanel and all those because pretty soon just saying oh it's got this one that. this one strap so try it out i'm gonna it's, try it's it easy on. to i'm gonna try it on. on where's the where, what is it update by usb or or is it bluetooth uh it will be uh or is it just some... there will be the over the air update like this The over-the-air update. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, there we are. So there's a bag, which is There's a awesome. bag. Of course, we didn't say the bag is for the profiler stage. Yes. We didn't mention it. Well, that's, uh, I, hopefully people work yeah. that one out. But anyway, I, um, I don't want to... I do want to ask you, as, as the sort of end of our uh, interview, you know... I, I have so many to tell still. Well, if you want <laughs> to carry on telling stories, that's fine by me. I mean, I, look, it's a... I am um, regularly uh, fooled into believing what I'm listening to is a real amp, uh, you know, when it's actually a Kemper. And, and, and I, I, I must admit, of, of all the um, of all the alternative kind of products on the market, I'm, you know, I'm drawn to the the, the Kemper just because of how um, thank you of how authentic it does sound. Um, there has, for the last sort of seven or eight years, mm. been this moral debate about um you know 
how do you ensure or do you know how do you ensure that manufacturers who design guitar amplifiers uh, and all of the costs and time and energy involved in doing that you know how what does their future look like if the uh, the sound can be so reliably captured for free you know and downloaded from a wonderful community that you've got online so there's this sort of moral debate about so it's not a technological one. Oh, sure you know and i don't can is it even possible to have a view from your side of things on something like that of course yeah of course i can i can have a view on that and of course i have a view mm. uh and yeah i mean it is for sure seen from the tube uh, amp side of things. This is a disruptive technology, mm. classic disruptive, really, like like MP3s probably or like um, yeah. other disruptive things. Uh, but I also would say that uh, modeling amps, like digital amps in, in, in total, are, I, I com- yeah. are that disruptive. Maybe we are even a bit more disruptive, but there has been that disruptive thing since uh, 25 years. Mm-hmm. Right, so uh, modeling amps are there since twenty five years. When was that Zoom thing? That yeah, was the first. Exactly. When was that? M- late eighties. Ninety ninety four. Or was it maybe a little? Maybe. I thought it was early. Was it nineties? Okay. Eighties. I thought it was. Oh 80s. really? Yeah, then I it's even it older. Yeah. So uh, it it has about yeah nearly always been there. Uh, it didn't really take off, mm. and um, amps were were um, modeled, and now partially. They, they will be profiled and um, yeah I think I think that's the way that's the way it goes the no, way it is. if if we like if our company if we never did profiling if we never went into that business they would for sure uh, other companies be mm-hmm. uh, still very success, uh, successful uh, in in modeling um, and, they, and they are also successful right mm-hmm. today uh, and um, it's it's a development that can't be it, it can't be stopped, and it's a development you, you can see everywhere. It's just a I think your digital wave. Yeah, I suppose <laughs> you could say the same about people who yeah. used to make typewriters and people who used there you to, are. There I, you are. I, yeah, I understand. It's, it's, it's just an interesting. Yeah. I suppose the yeah the, there is that moral fine yeah. line where you're sort of going. Yeah. This is clearly. A Marshall or a Vox or a, uh, yeah. you know originated yeah. tone, but that that you can now have for free with no there's no income yeah. stream from that for Marshall or Vox. Yeah. And so I, I, I wonder whether or not there's a. Do you, I suppose it, is it just up to these guys to come up with their own technology that just competes and. Um, probably not because then that that'll also be hard. What 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 you can see in uh, when you see in. In history of disruption, there's a, there's actually a nice book uh, that I read, which is the which was the favorite book of Steve Jobs from Apple, mm-hmm. and it's it's his uh, book recommendation. It's not his book; he didn't write it, but yeah. it's his rec- recommendation. It's called the uh, Innovator's Dilemma, but it's it's talking about disruptive technologies, and uh, it has always happened. Uh, yeah. This book actually started with. Um, um, ah, that, that doesn't matter. Uh, let's not talk <laughs> about that book too deep. <laughs> and um, uh, you can tell that sometimes dis- disruptive technology also means that that there is new companies coming out, um, 
owning that new technology or like forcing developing that technology which is then hard for the other companies to make uh, because they have a different um, they always had a different approach that is for example analog versus versus digital mm. like for example we we have there's no one in my company that could make a tube circuit uh, but we don't have we, we don't have to have one. Uh, but we uh, they're all real experts. The the probably one of the best experts for for digital uh, for digital audio technology. And that uh, such a team is I think hard to be built up and then uh, and then also marketed. This is um, uh, it's, it's it's quite difficult I think. Well and. Look, I, I, apologies for putting you on the spot there. Oh, but no that problem. Was a, that was a, a yeah. fair answer, yeah. and, and I think you're there, completely but that's right. That's also say because some, some people might also ask um, if it, it, where's the moral of like copying, uh, like carbon copying amps mm. with with a profiling technology, uh, and then there's there's other people saying, well, this this carbon copy thing has been done in the past, even from from tube to tube, where one company <laughs> copies the circuit from the other. Um, even in the 60s and 70s for sure and it yeah. it always happened and, no, and uh, I, you're right it is just the it is the way of technology isn't it there, there will yeah. it will if there's one thing for sure it's that things will carry on changing you know for yeah. sure all right well look uh, I will put uh, I, I hope you guys have enjoyed this as I said we, we, you know I know that, I know you uh, you we haven't this hasn't been a typical video with lots of guitar playing in it and stuff like that um, but I just think because Christoph's had such a profound effect on uh, the music industry and the way sounds are captured and the, the Kemper has been such a phenomenal success that it would be fun to ask Christoph on just to, you could get to know him a bit. He's a cool guy. Don't you think he's a cool guy? I think he's cool. But there we are. <laughs> Thank you very much Thank for you. coming in. Uh, I look forward to seeing, you know, what, you know, come to see you at NAMM for another three seconds. So what's new, Christoph? Nothing. Okay, bye. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and stay tuned, everybody. Thanks for watching. Right. And we'll see you next time. listening to our latest podcast if you enjoyed it hit that subscribe button see you next time